Well, we're going to turn again to Matthew's Gospel and to chapter 5 as we continue to look at uh, the Beatitudes. So I'll just read again from verse 2 and to the end of verse 6, the one that we're looking at this evening. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. As we've seen so far with the other Beatitudes that we've looked at, we have a statement that highlights those who will be blessed. And here it is those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Uh, and the benefit or the result that comes out of the hungering and thirsting is that they shall be satisfied. I'm going to quote the same verse from the New International Version, just to keep Ian happy. <laughs> and then also the 2015 edition of the Amplified Bible. So from the NIV, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Satisfied? Filled. And then from the Amplified 2015 edition, Blessed... Then in the brackets, joyful, nourished by God's goodness, end of brackets, are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those, in brackets again, those who actively seek right standing with God, end of brackets. For they will be, then in brackets the word completely, end of brackets, satisfied. As I highlighted in my last study when we were looking at the previous verse the Amplified uh, Version, the Amplified Bible has a different clarifying statement in the brackets after each use of that word blessed or blessed in each of the Beatitudes and here it is blessed or blessed and then it says joyful nourished by God's goodness I love that they're nourished by God's goodness. Are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So what the Amplified Version is saying is this. If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you will be joyful and nourished by God's goodness. Now as I began to look at this beatitude again in preparation for tonight, as I looked at it and just pondered upon it, upon it, it immediately spoke to me of the word desire. But more importantly, of our spiritual desires. See, we all desire after things in the natural. And in itself there is nothing wrong with this. So long as they are good and healthy <laughs> desires. See, the problem is when any natural desire becomes unhealthy or becomes obsessive or becomes, as we heard a little bit from Billy this morning, becomes an outlet for covetousness. The desire becomes a demand for more 
or for something that we're not, not entitled to or which isn't even intended for us. And covetousness is one of the sins that's highlighted in the Ten Commandments. For in Exodus 20 verse 17 it says, You shall not covet your neighbour's house, you shall not covet your neighbour's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbour's. Now, that sounds quite archaic language today. And you might think, well, if I see my neighbour's wife, I'm certainly not interested in her anyway. But we know what this command is saying. It's talking about coveting after those things that don't belong to us. And Jesus spoke again of covetousness, as recorded for us in Luke 12 and 15. And it says there that Jesus said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Instead, as believers, we should adapt uh, or learn to be content as again we heard this morning from Hebrews 13.5 where it says keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have for he has said I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now this doesn't mean that we don't need certain possessions or as here it doesn't mean that we don't need money. We do and perhaps even more so with the present cost of living crisis. The issue is when we desire for or have agreed for more money just for the sake of amassing it. It is talking about coveting money, getting it at whatever it cost might be. And sadly, perhaps, we can have so many earthly or natural desires that it squeezes out or prevents us from yearning or longing for desires that are spiritual. At the end of the day, anything that we desire in the natural, it fades, it disappears, it can cause heartache, and it comes to an end the moment our life expires here on earth, because natural desires are but temporal. But when it comes to spiritual desires, they are beneficial both in this life and will have eternal benefit or reward for the life that is to come. For the spiritual is eternal. In the first three Beatitudes, there is that definite link in them between our coming to and our placing of our trust or faith and hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And in coming to this fourth beatitude, it is all about our desires and our longings and our wants to be transformed from the natural desires being predominant in our lives to our spiritual desires becoming the prominent desires. Yes, we still live on earth and we still need healthy natural desires. But above this should be our longing for that which is spiritual. For when we allow this change to happen with our desires, it is only then we will know what it is to be truly satisfied 
or to be filmed, as the NIV puts it. So blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now those two words, hunger and thirst, as I see them in the context here in this beatitude, they speak to me of a desperation in our spirit, in our inner man, in the soul. A desperation that says that the natural desires do not satisfy. There must be something more. Hunger and thirst also speaks to me of dehydration or dryness. The natural, earthly desires have left me spiritually dry. I languish, desperate to be fed and to drink, to be spiritually hydrated, to be revigorated, to replenish my spirit. And the world does not and cannot do it. It can only come from having a desire and a hunger or thirst for righteousness. And without wanting to sound crude, without this hunger and thirst for my spirit and my soul, without this hunger and thirst, my spirit, my soul, my inner man becomes shrunk. It becomes wrinkled. It becomes drawn in like a dried up prune or a fig. But as I hunger and thirst after righteousness, my soul, my spirit, the inner man is replenished. It's hydrated. It's plumped up again. And it becomes satisfied. Another way in which I look at this verse is that it shows to me that the only ones who will be satisfied are the ones who will delight themselves in righteousness. For it is important to note that the ones satisfied are those who specifically hunger and thirst after righteousness. That is, that we are spiritually hungry and thirsty for everything that hinges upon God and that which he demands as good, proper and right for those who follow after him. It is to have a desire, a longing for godliness. And once we recognise what godliness is, to begin to delight in it. In Psalm 37 and verse 4, there's a well-known verse that says, Delight yourself in the Lord. And the result will be this. He will give you the desires of your heart. To me, as I read that, as I was meditating on this subject this evening, it, it, it speaks to me of being another way of putting our beatitude that we're looking at today. Hunger and thirst for righteousness, to me, equate, equates to delighting yourself in the Lord. And they shall be satisfied or filled equates to the fact that he will give you the desire of your heart. And so it is only as we delight in the Lord that our souls will know what it is to, uh, to hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's as if there's a process that needs to happen deep within our souls. We need to learn to delight in the Lord. And then we need to learn to delight even more. And then we need to learn to delight even more again. 
And the more you delight, the more desperate, the more spiritually hungry and thirsty you will become. The more you will want of God and of his righteous ways. And as a result, the more we understand what God wants for us, we'll also become what we want for ourselves. The things of this world will become strangely dim as a result of us being filled. And we will be satisfied the desires and the longings of our hearts will be met. See, if people genuinely, truly hunger and thirst after righteousness, there is a definite and a distinct result. They, and only they, shall be satisfied. There is no doubt about it. There are no ifs or buffs nor maybes. God will always satisfy the longing of the heart that seeks sincerely after him. And so, so far in what I've had to say, I've only included a couple of other scriptures to go alongside the Beatitude, but there are so many others that we could turn to in the Word of God that remind us of the desperate need and the, de the need for the desire of the man or woman to seek after God and to set his heart upon him. And David the psalmist is a well-known example. Two psalms in particular that we know very well. They show to us how much he longed for. It speaks of the fact that his heart desired not just the ways of righteousness, but his heart desired God himself. And so we'll just read two of those psalms. Psalm 42 and verses 1 to 2 says... As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? It's an interesting psalm, isn't it? It shows how much David hungered and thirsted after righteousness. When shall I come? When shall I come and appear before God? Because my soul thirsts for him. My soul thirsts for the living God. It's like a deer panting for flowing streams. And I have to ask myself, and I've had to ask myself, as I've been preparing this ministry and looking at that psalm, I have to say, how much does my soul pant and thirst for the living God? How much am I filling my life up with things which count for nothing? When instead that time should be spent hungering and thirsting after righteousness. And then Psalm 63 in verse 1. O oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. Is in a dry and weary land where there is no water. We perhaps can't fully understand the depths of this kind of thirst because we have such easy access to water, don't we? And so we feel thirsty, we quench the thirst. But the psalmist here is talking of the fact, uh, is picturing like as if there's a shortage of water. And he's got to the point that he is so desperate for water that he just doesn't know what he's going to do. And in that same way, it's a picture of how desperate he is for God. He wants God so much, he's hungering after him. And he's thirsting after him, just as it would be in a dry and weary land. I've mentioned before when we were on holiday in Crete, and Andrew and myself, as my 
youngest son, we decided to go up for a walk and we, it, the temperatures were up in the early 40s and so we decided we are going to go for a walk up into the hills and we just assumed and we shouldn't have assumed we just assumed that as we went on this walk we were going to come across somewhere where we could buy a drink whatever but we walked and we walked and we got to the point because we hadn't taken anything with us I turned to Andrew and I said I really can't go any further I'm absolutely I'm parched I I'm really need something to drink and there was nothing and we had a long way to go back but I noticed there was a vineyard and I said to Andrew, I don't usually recommend it, but we're going to have to steal some grapes. So I said, come with me. And we went into the vineyard and we pulled some bunches of grapes and we just began to have them to have the juice, the liquid, because we were so desperate. How often do we get that desperate for God? How often do we hunger and thirst after righteousness? The psalmist in that same psalm, just a few verses later, says, My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And I tell you, I've never been so satisfied to have some grapes. I was desperate for it. And they just replenished us and got us ready to make our journey home. And the psalmist said, My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. In other words, the psalmist said, There's nothing, absolutely nothing, or no one or anything that this world has got to ever offer that is going to satisfy that hunger and thirst in my soul. And when I meet with you, God, when I've come to you, God, my soul is going to be satisfied. And then Psalm 143, verse 6 says, I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. And Psalm 107, verse 9, that says, For he, speaking of the Lord, he satisfies, there's no doubt about it, he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. But then what about the promises that Jesus made to those who would choose to follow him? For after all, when we come to these Beatitudes, as we've already seen from the first and the second and the third of them, there's a gospel implication within the Beatitudes. And so what, what Jesus have to say to us, what Jesus would say to us as we come to uh, the New Testament, he would say, I am the bread of life. And then on another occasion, he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. In other words, what Jesus is saying, if you hunger and thirst, then come to me. Come to me. And if you do hunger, you will, hunger will be met. And if you do thirst, your thirst will be quenched. Jesus actually said these words, whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Matthew 5, 6, our text again says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. The implication of this beatitude within the context of the gospel is that if we hunger and thirst after Jesus, 
if we hunger and thirst after Jesus. For what does Paul say about Jesus in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30? He says there, and I'm adding some in brackets here myself, but I won't tell you where they start and finish. But And because of him, or from him, that is from God, you, that is you who have come to faith, are in Christ Jesus. And then Paul goes on to say, who has become to us, that is Jesus has become to us in his incarnation, wisdom from God. But the second thing is, he's become righteousness from God and sanctification and redemption. As a song that goes like this we sing, he is all my righteousness. I stand complete in him and worship him. And there's an old, older hymn, I don't know whether it's in the Making Melody, I know it's in the Redemption Hymnal. It was one of my favourites when I was growing up. That says, Jesus Christ is made to me all I need, all I need. Wisdom, righteousness and power. Holiness forevermore. My redemption full and sure. He is all I need. And so Paul tells us there in that verse, and we learn it from those songs, that Jesus is righteousness. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. And if we feel that the demand or the requirement of the beatitude is high, it is. It is. To continually hunger and to thirst after righteousness. But I want to tell you this evening, it is achievable because of what Christ has done for us. Because he is not only righteousness, he has become our righteousness. In John 4, when Jesus met the woman at the well, in verses 13 to 14, he made this statement to her. Everyone who drinks of this water, talking of the water in the well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. See, if we keep setting our desires on the things of the world, we will never be satisfied. Never, ever be satisfied. We will never, ever be filled. If we keep setting our desires on the things of the world, what we will keep on doing is going back time and time again to the broken cisterns of this world. We will continually be spiritually dehydrated, spiritually distracted, spiritually dysfunctional, spiritually dead, spiritual, spiritually desperate and spiritually despondent. But we need to come to the one who has become for us the righteousness of God. We need to hunger and to thirst after him. And we will know what it is to be truly satisfied, to be filled, not only in this life, but in that which is to come. Now I may have said a lot and yet at the same time said so little. The importance is that we set our desires onto that which matters. Not the temporal, but onto the eternal. I've just got some scriptures I want to close with because the word of God is so important on this whole matter. Isaiah 55, 1-3 Come, 
everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labour for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me, hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. What an invitation. Especially today, rising costs all around us, all around us, yet the offer is there to come without money. Come, be filled, receive that which will cost you nothing. And it says, your soul may live. Jeremiah 31, 25. For I will satisfy the weary soul, and every languishing soul I will replenish. Do you feel that your soul is weary tonight? Do you feel that your soul is languishing tonight? And the pressures of the world today can come against us. They can cause us to feel spiritually weary and spiritually languishing. But the Lord says, I'm going to satisfy the weary soul. I will satisfy every languishing soul. I will replenish every languishing soul. And so as we come to him again, thirsting and hungering, he will satisfy our weary souls and he will replenish our languishing souls. Psalm 36, 7 to 8. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. And then listen to the rest of that verse. They feast, wow, they feast on the abundance of your house and you give them drink from the river of your delights. This, soul will never, this world will never satisfy it can offer us whatever it likes. It will never satisfy. There's only one place to go for satisfaction. It's to the abundance of his house and to drink from his river of delights. Isaiah 12 verse 3. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Finally, if we learn to truly learn, if we learn to truly hunger and thirst after righteousness in this life, listen to the promise of God for eternity. Revelations 21.6 And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. Wow, what a promise. We're going to drink from the water of life without payment throughout the countless ages of eternity. Revelations 22:17. The spirit and the bride say come. And let the one who hears say come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I tell you, I'm a farmer's son, so I love anything that's free. Anything is free. As a typical farmer, always on the scrounge for anything free. But I didn't need to go to scrounge for this. God has given it me willingly. He's offered to me an abundant and an eternal supply. And my prayer is this, that you and I, we together as a body of God's people, will continue to hunger and thirst for righteousness.
and knowing that the end result is going to be we will be filled we will be satisfied so may God give us spiritual desires cause us not to look to the world to those things which are temporal but to keep our eyes focused upon him on that which matters that which counts for eternity so let's keep hungry let's keep thirsting and let's keep on being filled or satisfied Amen